live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro parlay hour what's happening everybody thank you so much for joining us this week my name is ken m joining me in studio as always you know him he's the co-host his name is padawan j hello 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 folks we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies tv comics and more you are tuned into the entertainment edition of the odph and we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you after this podcast so make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com Joining the conversation on the social media accounts, they're all right there on the front page. We can't make it any easier to follow and interact with us than that. What else can we say, Pat? Not much. Uh, it's pretty simple. Exactly. Parlay Points blogs are up right now, so if you need comic book recommendations, we got a stacked lineup this week. Holy smokes. One of the best ones on record, I got to say. And we get great books sent to us, too. But this is some exceptional work this week. The T Public Store link is right there. The Patreon, one tier, $2 a month. And some fun stuff coming down the road. I, I haven't gone in there and done a deep dive in lately, but I think so, because we have obviously had a very busy week. If you're following the ODPH, which how do you follow? You swing on over the directory. We're on every single provider we can find. We have links right there, so we can't make it any more easier to follow and become one of the ODPH Society. All that and so much more can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, though, we have to recap a polarizing show, if you will, mm-hmm. that is really generating a lot of buzz. In the good sense now, I know when it first was getting announced, and obviously we're hearing about review review bombing and all that kind of nonsense. I even hate saying it. That's why Bosh up saying the word. We have been really following the show, and two episodes in, i got to say, Marvel Studios has got a hit on their hands. Absolutely. Looking at uh, the scores on Rotten Tomatoes, the critic rating average score is, eight, or, yeah, the average tomato meter for the critics is 88%, and then on the audience side, 78%, both of which very good. Yeah, it's very good, because obviously when you're dealing with the fandoms, everybody's got an opinion, but you have to go based on what you like, and we always stress that here, that be your own critic. Not every, Everything's not for everyone, you know? People have different tastes. Exactly. And this show definitely has won us over because we really weren't sure what we were going to get when we heard that She-Hulk Attorney at Law was getting announced. Obviously, we know Tatiana Maslany was going to be playing the title role of Jennifer Walters. And after that, it was going to be, what are they going to take from the source material? Is it going to be the John Byrne run, Dan mm-hmm. Slott, Charles Soule? You had a lot to work with because She-Hulk is a very well-known character in the Marvel Comics universe. So obviously, hearing it was coming to the small screen, we had a lot to think about with this project. What were they going to go? What was the direction? How was the vibe? We saw the the previews for it. Definitely gave off some very good energy. Breaking the fourth wall a la Deadpool. But if you know the character, this is nothing new. But now two episodes in, there's a lot to discuss with it. And we have to recap episode two because definitely was building a lot towards the direction of the show. Mm-hmm. So if you're new to the ODPH Society, what we'd like to do is give a spoiler-free statement about the show. And then after the countdown, we go deep diving. So if you need to pause... To catch up on the episode so you don't have anything ruined, we fully respect that. We put that in the liner notes for you. That's the extra mile we go for you. But like we say, after the countdown, it is fair game. So consider this your warning. So, Pad, that being said, 
Spoiler-free statement on episode two of She-Hulk entitled Superhuman Law. Thought it was a good episode. Thought it was a good test and a good flavor for what the show going forward is going to be like. Obviously, last week was kind of like an origin story, very uh, focused on She-Hulk, you know, uh, Jennifer Walters and then Bruce Banner. But this one, I think, is kind of like the start of how things are going to go and just the overall vibe of how you're going to get the show. And I enjoyed it. I fully agree. I thought that this was a very solid episode. It didn't blow me away like, oh my gosh, like I really need to go do a rewatch immediately. But that's the one thing about this show is they're taking their time building this world of Jennifer Walters. It is one that is capturing fans' attention because this is something that we really haven't seen too much of in the MCU. And I know that there's some comparisons with with Deadpool about, like, oh, well, you're breaking the fourth wall. Yes and no. I don't think it does as much fourth wall breaking as Deadpool does, mm-hmm. but it does enough that it gives a new kind of look to the MCU that we really haven't seen too much of, and it's working and establishing this character because this show is not going to be your traditional superhero show, and I, no. think that, I think that's very well established out the gate. So that said, I thought episode two really did a nice job about establishing the direction we're going in. I think it's perfectly fine, and I'm very interested to see what we do for episode three. So that being said, in three, two... One, Pad, talk to me. thought it was a really good episode. I enjoyed, you know, some of the stuff they did with it. Love the hell out of the uh, homage to the previous incarnations of Bruce Banner in the movies. Yes. That was awesome. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was very, very interesting to see how they're setting up the abomination. That I thought the character take was very, very ingenious. Because obviously, we know that... The Abomination, who is a longtime Hulk villain. We saw him in mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk movie, whether you care to admit you saw it or not. Right. He was there. Tim Roth is reprising the role as Emil Blonsky. And I thought the take that they had for him was very, very interesting. Because where we jump into this episode, though, it takes a little while to get there. Mm-hmm. But obviously, coming off the heels of episode one, Jennifer Walters turns into She-Hulk during a court appearance and takes care of Titania who is one of her noteworthy supervillains. Yep. And so it's kind of a quick throwaway moment, but much in this digital age, anything you do is caught on camera uh-huh. and it's gone on social media. So welcome to the world of TMZ and yep. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So Jennifer Walters is now getting used to the public now knowing her secret that, well, she can turn into a Hulk. Mm-hmm. And she gets dubbed by the public She-Hulk. And she even says, boy, I hope that doesn't stick. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely works. And Bruce Banner is laughing hysterically from this. I told you so. Yeah, because he, he gave the fair warning. He said, once you have powers, there's a whole new realm of responsibility that you are going to get exposed to that mm-hmm. you're not ready for. No. And, and this is why he had the whole pamphlet or uh, – syllabus yeah. of what you need to do as Superhero 101. Don't say Superhero 101 it was, here's what you should do, here's what you shouldn't do. And she's like, yeah, no, I got this. Yeah, but you know what I thought was the most interesting part of this is when she's on the phone with him, Yeah, he's in that spaceship that was taking him out mm-hmm. that caused the initial car accident. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was an interesting play. That's certainly setting up some things that the internet is speculating on quite a bit. Yeah, but so let's talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're doing Planet Hulk? I, th- I think so. Why else would he be going into space? Now, granted, it could be to help with Sword and whatever Nick Fury's got going on. Mm-hmm. But why would an alien spacecraft pick him up? Why wouldn't it be, you know, a Sword spacecraft? So, I I can see this with some folks saying, "Oh, well, it's got to be for a Sword." Well, why wouldn't it be a Sword spacecraft in space, or a crease, uh, or a, or a Skrull spacecraft? You know, why is it this random spacecraft? I'm leaning towards, yeah, no, they're they're doing they're going the other way. 
There's a couple things I have to break down with this because the ship we know is tied to the Grandmaster from the Guardians of the Galaxy realm. Yep. So is this the prelude of how he got picked up originally for Thor Ragnarok? Like, no. That's one th- that was one thing I was thinking, like, maybe. No. Because otherwise, it's like, well, how are you going back to Planet Hulk now? Like, it's kind of an interesting dynamic with it because, obviously, you've read the comic. The Illuminati sent him up there. Well, I should say some of them. So this becomes now an interesting play if they're going to try doing that. Now, I want to say this on record. I would love it if they did Planet Hulk. I don't think they're going to. There's too many moving parts involved because if they do Planet Hulk, they have to do World War Hulk. And if you haven't read that comic, that ties in everybody from the MCU. Would I love to see it? Absolutely. I can't stress that enough. It's one of my favorite comic stories of all time. But to pull it off logistically with the cinematic universe... That's going to be difficult. So in terms of when this comes out, there was a uh, interview done with uh, one of the writers uh, or the writer of the, this episode of She-Hulk, which I believe is uh, Jessica Gao, uh, G-A-O, where she did an interview with uh, the direct where she said, quote, it's definitely after post Endgame. There actually is a Marvel person whose job it is to trace the timeline of everything. And we checked with him a lot about where the timing is. And so it's like the show is a few years after Endgame, close quote. Okay, so that eliminates that. I, it's just kind of very interesting that he was getting the ship coming after him in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden he's on board with it. Like, I know they're going to explain it, but just for yeah. right now, looking how both episodes did. Yeah. I thought that was very odd just because obviously it looked like he was getting attacked the first time that caused the accident, but maybe not. Maybe you're right. It's going to be sword and he's going to wind up showing up later. See, I don't think it was him getting attacked in the first one. I think it was just them going, Hey, hi. And because it wasn't banner driving, it was Jennifer. She's not used to this crap. She someone, Holy shit. and, And wrecked the car. Now granted, Bruce probably would have too, but I think given the fact he would have reacted a little less crazily because he, well, he's the Hulk. He's an Avenger. He's used to this. Yes. So that being said, it'll be interesting to see how his story takes off from here because I don't think he's going to be done with the series. Probably not. In theory. Probably not. But regardless, we see Jennifer Walters going out to have a drink and celebrate. And unfortunately, she doesn't really have much to celebrate. No. What happens, Pat? Uh, she gets fired from her job because it's deterrent. Well, so the case she was initially trying got thrown out because, well, it was deemed by the judge that there's no way the jury could come to a fair, you know, in, in, in uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Impartial. Thank you. Impartial conclusion based on the events that took happen. So the case got thrown out. And then it's then determined, well, if we're going to be trying, you know, superpowered peoples or or anything, really, it's going to be hard for people, uh, juries to be impartial when you're in the room because you're going to be beloved by the people. So we got no use for you. Bye. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting take. But, you know, it makes sense. And, and I do respect that fact because you really are not going to get an impartial yeah. jury, if, especially yeah. if you're a hero, let alone you're related to the Hulk. And mm-hmm. in, in, in current timeline, the mm-hmm. Hulk is very well loved mm-hmm. because he's one of the Avengers. So. It does play in that fact, and obviously you're tying in that whole real-world aspect, even though they do go back to the whole drinking thing where when she's the Hulk, she's not feeling anything, but when she goes back to Jennifer Walters, oh, she's completely intoxicated. Uh-huh. So I love how they played that off a little bit. So as you see, she's getting fired, and then she is trying to find work because obviously 
She is. She's got bills. She's got bills, and she also can't get hired anywhere because, well, she's She-Hulk, mm-hmm. and that's too much of a liability for any firm. So I do love that aspect that they tied the real world sense into it mm-hmm. because you do blur the lines a little bit like because usually in comics they just kind of like look the other way and go oh well it's perfectly fine yeah i would say something tells me that like a workplace's insurance company or like their insurance policy doesn't exactly include a clause for damage via superhero mm-hmm. i think i think most insurance companies are going to file that one under acts of god yes so it's an interesting play there and then she goes and has a quick moment with her family yep and I have to say, I'm with our guy, Dre Driven. I marked out at who her dad was. Because, Pad, do you know who Mark Lynn Baker is? No. He was from the 1980s sitcom Perfect Strangers. Okay. And I, I love that show. Like, that was one of my old school 80s favorites right there. So seeing him on screen, I marked out too. I, and Dre obviously posted that for his review as well. Such a cool moment to see. And obviously, given Jennifer Walters' little perspective about where her career is going and, you know, just being a very supportive family there too. Cause you see an interesting dynamic there mm-hmm. as well. So I do, I do love how they played that off, but she gets a little bit lucky because she gets offered a job out of nowhere mm-hmm. and bad. Who is that by? Uh, it is an opposing counsel, uh, Goodman, Lieber, Klertzberg and Holloway, uh, or G L K and H. Yes. Uh, and she just goes, uh, yes. Yeah. She immediately takes the job. So it's a cool moment there, too, and obviously that law firm is very familiar f- from the comics mm-hmm. as well. So that's a very cool play that she does. But when she goes in there, she's approached by one of the partners and says, well, we're hiring you to head up our new superhuman mm-hmm. law division. Mm-hmm. So we really just want you to be She-Hulk 24-7. Yep. Which she's kind of a little reluctant about. Yeah. But she winds up doing this as well. It's a paycheck. Exactly. So she's doing it, and they go, well, you know, your first uh, client is going to be Emma Blonsky. Yeah. And, and, she, and she immediately goes, uh, conflict of interest here. He tried to kill my my cousin. Yes. So she does make that call that we mentioned earlier mm-hmm. about everything going on to, to tie in with Bruce Banner. Yep. But Bruce seems perfectly fine with everything. Yeah, he goes, oh, you know, that's so far in the past. We've talked. We've sorted it out. We're, things between us are good now. You know, and, and I'm honestly a whole different person now, literally. Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting play as he does as he's flying away, too. And like I say, it just kind of blends in everything from the beginning that She-Hulk is catching up with him about well, since I left Mexico, this is what happened. So it's kind of an interesting play. And then when she goes to meet the abomination, he gives a whole story. Well, I was kind of duped into what I did mm-hmm. because, you know, it's just I was taking orders. I didn't really mean to do this. I mean, it's, who would really want to try doing this? Yeah. To paraphrase a little bit. And it's such a brilliant take because you think about it. And a lot of times, too, when you have certain bad guys, they get manipulated and such. And they, and they, and they kind of have a feeling like that. To see that brought on the small screen, I thought that was ingenious. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it's just like, and it shows the writing of the show too, is very sharp in that sense. Mm-hmm. Because it's very tough to really do a realistic superhero show because, let's face it, superheroes aren't real. Yes. That said, they're balancing that out extremely well, and, and this gives a legitimate, plausible clause for the abomination to walk away. Yeah. So reluctantly Jennifer Walters is kind of buying into this and she's making the play like, well, maybe he's right. Maybe everything makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'll have to try rolling with this. Yeah. But then she turns on the TV 
And what happens, Pad? Well, she gets a phone call from the guy who hired her for this law That's firm right. and says, hey, we got an issue with your client. Well, what's wrong? Turn on the television. And the footage we saw from, uh, what was it, Shang-Chi, yeah. is finally hitting the web of the underground fight club and the abomination being there. Yep. And that's how the episode ends. And I know some people are going, well, wait, when does this show take place? Blah, 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 blah. Is it, you know, before she, Shang-Chi, during Shang-Chi? I think it's either during Shang-Chi, because I know people are like, well, or no, no, I don't think it's during Shang-Chi. Because I think it's after. I think it's after Shang-Chi, and the footage is just now hitting the web. That like, it, one of those things where like it's making its its rounds on like message boards and and you know messaging uh, services and and stuff like that. Like it's slowly starting to blow up, but then it hits like you know Reddit or something, and then it immediately blows up. Yeah, exactly because. One thing about the Marvel Universe is everything is all connected. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of when and where, but the fact that that footage is finally leaked out, that adds a whole different element to the story. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that going into the next episode, I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to play this because how do you justify this? Because, yeah. Because obviously we know Wong from the Doctor Strange franchise is going to be a part of this. Yes, he is. So he's going to have to try explaining it. And then it goes into the... I imagine he shows up next episode. I would say too. Because I get the feeling like the first shot of the next episode is going to be her walking into the jail cell and just going, dude, what the hell? Oh, yeah. She's going to absolutely cut it real. And I love that sense too. And where you're going to tie into this as well is we're going to start seeing more characters from the MCU start showing up on this show. Yep. And one I'm really interested in finding out about is the rumors, and take this as rumors only. Yeah. There's supposed to be some crazy bonus credit scene at the end of next episode. Hmm. Do you have any guess who? No. Okay, so I I have two. One, I think it's Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Well, yeah. Like, it's that infamous scene. Like, he, yeah. he shows up. Yeah. Maybe not in the Daredevil costume, but he shows up. Yeah. The second one, which I think if it's generating this much buzz, because the Charlie Cox we know is coming. Right. I mean, uh, that's not exactly a huge surprise. We know he's in the show. Right. But remember that throwaway line that when Jennifer Walters was checking the uh, the tabloids there about the man with the metal claws starting yes, a bar fight? Yes, yes, yes. What if, hypothetically, they show a silhouette of one Wolverine? That could be. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to see the person yet because they haven't announced casting unless they want to do that before D23, which they could quite possibly do. Like, let's not be you know, too forgetful about that. We know that that is coming up next week. But if they wanted to, to really generate some buzz. Yeah. Because that's all we've been hearing is there's some kind of crazy end credit scene. Yeah. We don't know what it is Char- yet. Charlie Cox wouldn't make any sense because that's not like – newsworthy enough like oh my god you're not going to believe who it is or it's going to be earth shattering because like we already know he's going to be there yeah exactly so i mean that's something we just have to kind of go into expecting every time they go oh the internet's going to break is it really and if it is charlie cox i mean granted i'm going to mark out if i see him on screen like yeah i'm I'm gonna be super happy but at the same time it's not enough of a surprise when it's leaked out in a trailer yeah to go oh him whoa like when he like when it's literally they're showing his face in the trailer. Yeah, they've acknowledged he's in the show. That's not a surprise. Exactly. So we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. But I think though we'll get a nice surprise, whoever it is. Maybe it's Foggy Nelson. Like I could see that being yeah, one, but not enough yeah. not enough to really break the net. But still, it's gonna be a great mark out moment. Oh though. yeah. So we'll definitely have to wait and see about that. So Pad, let's wrap it up. Final thoughts. 
on She-Hulk episode two. Thought it was a really good episode, and I thought, uh, and I just thought of what could possibly be the bonus scenes. Uh, you know, break the internet. What if she's going? Because this, we're, I'm presuming this Supermax is somewhere in New York, the city or the state or someplace. Because I don't think they've ever said where it is. One would think. One would think. What if it's one Punisher? <laughs> what if it's Burnthal? Dude. That like he got caught, he's thrown in the supermax, and he's in jail because it's for you know what if it's him? That would be the wildest thing they could pull off. I, I he said he's willing to come back and play the character again for the right story, and I could see them saying, "Hey, we want to have you in a story down the road. We haven't figured out what it is yet, but we want to set that story up by including you in this bonus scene." That would be the that would be the one. Because no, it, it could be like an end sequence of like, you know, Walters is talking to, to Abomination and they're like, all right, this is, you know, just like you don't even get to hear the full sense. Like, all right, yeah, just like it cuts in. All right. Yeah, that's the defense we're going to go with. And and she goes walking by and you just see a silhouetted figure because it's dark. It's dimly lit, whatever, in the, in the cell cage. And you just hear oh, She-Hulk, huh? Or something like that. And he just walks out of the shadows into the light and you see him. That would do it. That would legit do it. I, I mean, it could be a Jessica Jones. It could be a Luke Cage. I yeah. mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that, and, and still that'd be huge. But the Punisher, because obviously right now, is probably the most uncertain character coming over from Netflix. Sure. Because of you know everything going on with him right now. We're, well, sure, sure. And that's why I say. Yeah, he, that would be the one. They could they could pitch it as, hey, we want it because Bernthal has said, I want to come back and play the character again. It just has to be for the right story. They could they could have come to him and say, hey, we want to have you play the character again. We haven't figured out what the story is yet, but we want to feature you in a bonus scene. You know, here's what it is, X, Y, and Z. And yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, because, man, you just blew my mind with that one. It could be that would be the that be the move to do because he's probably the most uncertain, like we said. Because again, it, it's not going to be Charlie Cox. Because again, we know yeah, we know he's we coming. Know, it's not going to be uh, uh, Wilson Fisk because mm-hmm. we already know he's going to. He's we know he's already in the universe. We've already seen him. Right. So that's that's not earth shattering, you know. So outside of you know Punisher or something else, batshit crazy. I can't think of what it is. Yeah, I mean Jessica Jones and Luke Cage would be would yeah. be big. No, they'd yeah. be big, but no, Punisher would be the biggest one. Because we're expecting Jessica Jones. We're expecting right, Luke Cage right. at some point. Iron Fist to be determined, but that's not enough to really break right, the nut. Right. Burnthal coming out for a cameo, dude, that would just be the craziest. And it all depends on what they're doing for story, too. Right. Because obviously, if you're reading the comics right now, there is a rebranding of sorts going on with the Punisher. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to do that right away. Uh, just with how that story's playing out, even though like I've been re- hearing some really cool things about that book, I haven't got a chance to check that out. But if they want to go that route, man, that's the way to do it. But we're, I guess we're just going to have to wait to see when Episode 3 drops. Luckily, we don't have long to wait. But that being said, ODPH Society, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Episode 2, Superhuman Law? And then what is your speculation for Episode 3? Let's keep it spoiler-free when that episode drops on Thursday till Saturday. We'll give the two-day window on this one because if the internet is going to run crazy with this, if it's that big of a move, we're, we're going to try not talking about it as much as possible. But, yeah. But I got a feeling if We're it's, not responsible for other parties. Yeah, we try being good about this. We're not sitting there putting spoilers and then waiting five lines and then putting it in the tweet. Other people do that. We don't. So that being said, let's talk about it on social media. Keep it spoiler-free for a little bit. We're going to take a break. 
We'll be right back. Welcome to Talking Shiz. I am CJ. And I am Maddox. And our podcast is like a radio show. We have no certain topics. We talk about anything and everything. And our opinions don't matter. And we do have a pod page. What is our pod page where folks can find our platforms and what we're all about, Maddox? I'm glad you asked. As a matter of fact, that is podpage.com forward slash talking without a G uh, dash shiz. And that's where our it's our one stop shop. It has everything there. It has all of our donation links. It has all of the content that we have created, our recent related reviews, and it even gives you where you can find us on different applications such as Google, uh, iHeartRadio, you name it. We're in almost in every single uh, branch of applications out there so please check it out there's even if you want to become an official shizzler we even have merchandise so definitely go there check it out and yeah it's literally the best one-stop shop absolutely and sharing is caring so make sure you guys share 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 we're on twitter and that's talking underscore shiz instagram talking underscore shiz we have facebook we got our pod page. We have different platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, what Maddox said. We are everywhere. So definitely check us out, and we definitely appreciate you guys listening. Yes, thank you guys, and we'll see you on one of our episodes. Coming back for another segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and we have to recap dare I say one of TV's fastest rising TV shows? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Break it down for us, Pat. Yeah, so uh, it earned 20 million viewers with episode one. Thus far, it has earned 10 million viewers with episode two. Already renewed for season two after just two episodes. That is the smash hit from the folks over at HBO and HBO Max, although we're kind of the same company. Yeah. Uh, the Game of Thrones prequel, House of the Dragon. Yeah, surprised to see that it's taken off this way, especially with how the original Game of Thrones series ended. We really weren't sure what the temp in the room is. I thought it would have a good first week. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that it carried over for second week. Yeah, I was too. Happily surprised because the show, we have to remind viewers, this is one that takes a while to get going. Yeah. This is not something that you just kind of walk into and you pick up everything right away. There's a, the This is the definition of moving parts. Yes. There's a lot going on Much here. like the intro. Yes. Which they brought back the old school intro from Game of Thrones. Which I like. Oh, you know, they had to. Like, it makes perfect sense, and that's where you should really build. Because you're now reigniting a fan base that was so disenchanted with how things ended the first go-round. You really want to try appeasing them the best way you can. The first episode, like we said last week, was good. Mm-hmm. Was it a blow-away one for me? No. The only thing I take away is Matt Smith's character, or Damien. Whew. That's the only one I really care watching, because he is just absolutely embracing this world everybody else is still kind of finding their footing but matt smith is running with this show yeah he is and like i say he's the break i don't want to say he's a breakout star but let's face it he's the franchise of this show thus for far. right now yeah i don't think anybody's even close so that being said we are going to break down episode two entitled the rogue prince we know how this goes by now so obviously spoiler free statement and then this goes right into spoiler talk after the countdown so pad that being said spoiler free statement on this uh, enjoyed the episode. Thought it was a little bit better than the first one. Uh, that being said, I'm still kind of waiting for things to fully get going. But they start, you know, the cogs and wheels started moving a little bit with this episode, and I really enjoyed it. Better episode than episode one, by far, by far. And they're not wasting any time hitting the ground running to get to some really interesting battles. 
That's one thing that I think is a big takeaway. Mm-hmm. I was fearing they were going to wait till the end of the season and go. Sure. But I am really applauding that they're moving the story right along. Yeah. Because that was one thing that, let's face it, there's been some seasons it's been a very big snooze fest with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Just being honest. And now it looks like, well, we're going to have a nice little balance. Albeit, though, there's a couple things I didn't like about this episode, but we'll sure. get into that. So that said, in three, two, one. Talk to me. thought it was a really good episode. You know, the wheels started moving, which I dug. You know, still taking a little too slow for me, but I'm willing to give it time. I'm liking what I'm seeing in that intro. I liked it. Why is it on Game of Thrones that every king has to be creepy? <laughs> like, for real. Like, it's just like, God damn. What's that saying? Well, power, absolute power corrupts, something oh like that. Oh, my God. Like, I understand why they keep talking about Mad Kings. Like, I get this. Yeah. Watching this for two episodes. Like, I understand this. Yeah. And you know what? It's bad. I'm signing with Damien. Like Ooh. he, he might be the new Joffrey, but I'm like, you know, listen, <laughs> he's got a plan. He has motivation. Yeah, he's not sitting there being uber creepy the yeah. entire time. Like, I'm sorry, the king in this Viserys mm-hmm. is creeping me the hell out. Yeah, in the worst way possible. Yeah, like, and it's, it's just like it's, it's nothing against the actor, you know, Patty Constantine. I I think he's doing a great job with this. But at the same time, I think just the, the source material, it's like, oh, my God, man, this is just irritating the crap out of me. Because mm-hmm. now we go six months after episode one. Yep. And there's a lot of fallout from the anointment of the heir. Mm-hmm. Because, Pad, who is the heir now? Uh, Rhaenyra Targaryen. Yes. So people are still losing their minds about this. Damien yep. is kind of handling this the way I thought he was going to be. Like, he's pissed, but he's like, you know what? I'm still got my my army. I can still make some moves. Like he he's pissed and he's not exactly thrilled about it, but he's not exactly throwing a Joffrey level fit. Yeah, like, he's like, all right, I don't like this. I'll do something about this, but I'll be subtle and calculating. Yeah, he's just sitting back and going like, I'm gonna wait to see how this all plays out. And for six months, he's been calm. Like that's one thing we have to remember with this. He hasn't been acting irrationally. No, he's been plotting. Which I do applaud this because it's always the silent ones you got to watch out exactly, for. Exactly, because everybody else is not paying attention. Nope. Because you're also having a lot of moves going on, and you know Rhaenyra is appointing her own people mm-hmm. now, which this is starting to ruffle some feathers. Because yeah. who now gets appointed to the Kingsguard? Uh, that would be uh, Sir Kristen. Yes, and that is the one that Damien had to fight in the uh, yep. celebratory. Yep. Duel of uh, Joust, from, yeah, from, it was from the first episode. So she's already making some very questionable moves. Now, granted, she's she's very young in the show. How old would you say she is? Oh, I would say at least sixteen, max, maybe twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, like Some, something like, like so that. She's, she's still very young in, in making these moves, which I thought was kind of interesting that they're allowing her to really have this kind of power to do. But I understand she's being the heir to the throne. Well, and I think just given the way that like Game of Thrones history typically works with kings and queens and and uh, royal bloodlines and all that like they've learned over the course of you know however many thousand years this world has gone on you can't exactly wait until you know the the previous ruler is about to die to start teaching these kids how to do things that like anybody can drop at the moment at any moment's notice and you need to start teaching them now because they might be hunky dory and the king or queen or whoever's in charge might be perfectly good health now, but give it like five minutes and they could be dead. Yeah, it, it's just one of those tricky situations, but she's getting told no by the hand of the king Otto 
And then uh, Lord Commander Harold Westling? Uh, yeah, or I Westerling? So. I believe so. So she's making some moves. And then you have the king who is really acting odd. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. like th- He's like he's messing with his models. It's, it's something about the show, too. Everybody likes messing with models. Yeah. You know, like the little toy ones. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like almost like building his own train set. Yeah. It's kind of weird. And then he gets visited by somebody, too, Pad. Who is that? Uh, that would be Alicent. Yes. So that is Rhaenyra's best friend. Uh-huh. So this is also getting weird. They're having their own private meeting, and she's trying to influence him to speak about uh, his wife's death. Yep. Which is just like, okay. Uh, it's a little uh, creepy. It's a little creepy. It's just kind of like, I understand. It's only been six months. Yeah, they're trying to be very noble, but it's just kind of like, how is she meeting privately with him to have those conversations? Yeah. Like, that's... It just kind of came off very weird to me. Like, yeah. that's the easiest way to describe it. Like, if this is like a modern sitcom or something like that, like, okay, I can I can see, like, you know, the main actresses or, like, the, the daughter's best friend going and talk to the father about something. But, like, this ain't a sitcom. Like, you know, yes, your daughter is the heir to the throne, but, like, her best friend getting in to see the king? Yeah, it seems a little weird. Yeah, it's just, like, there's just no real rhyme or reason to it per se. Like, it's just kind of like, all right, we're going to kind of roll with this and see where we go. And then there's talk of the council now saying, well, the King needs to start uniting houses. Mm -hmm. And there's a proposition that's brought up and pad. I I just, what is your take on this whole proposition? It creeped me the fuck out. I'll be honest. Ew. Yeah, no, this was absolutely fucking weird. I'm sorry. Like, this is the the part of the episode where I'm just like, no, I am not down with this. This is just this is weird. Like even for Game of Thrones standards, because it's talked about that Corliss is saying, well, Viserys should marry his twelve year old daughter. Yeah, you heard that right. Twelve. Yeah. yeah, that's not that's not a mistake by me saying like seriously. Like I'm just like, yeah, I really just read that. Like that's me. You're getting the honest feedback right now. Like, yep, that just came out of my mouth. That this show just did this. Mm-hmm. Like, and I usually, Pad, we would just go reasons, reasons, but no, no, this is a whole other level. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. Well, I mean, it, it, it kind of, I would say, ties into actual history because there have been instances over the course of history with like kings marrying young women. Why? I don't know. And I couldn't explain to you. I'm, yeah. I'm not any of those people. So I guess it's it's kind of based on some real realism and some actual history. doesn't make it any less creepy. No, it's creepy as fuck. Sorry, it is creepy as fuck. Like, my skin was crawling at this. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, what the hell are we doing here? It's like the whole Julius Caesar Cleopatra thing. Once you figure out the actual ages, that gets a whole lot more creepy. Yeah, it does. Just saying. It does. But during this whole point, there's another side story going on, which is the good part of this. And that is Damien is sitting there stealing dragon eggs. Because this will go over well. Oh, my God. This is perfectly smart. He's just like, you know what? They're all talking about whatever. I'm just going to go start loading up on dragons. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I not, can't, a bad, not a bad plan. I can't fault him. I've seen dragons in action in Game of Thrones. Like, he's a lunatic. But you know what? There's some sanity to this. Yeah, there, there's, there's some, some real, like, yeah. dare I say, like, he might be the joker of this whole thing. And I'm Could okay, I'm okay with this. Be. Like, if he winds up killing everybody in this kingdom so far, I'm, I'm there. I'm on Team Damien. And, yes, the council now hears that he has this. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, they're like, what? And then they're like, yeah, he's also going to marry somebody else. The mistress. Yes, that uh, was not cleared, I guess, by the family. Yep, Um, which is a real big no-no. Yes. 
So this also now gets weird. So they're basically saying, well, we're going to send the hand of the king mm-hmm. to go retrieve this egg. And Damien's like basically said, you want it? Come bring it. I'm not giving you anything. And we're going to, if you really want to test this, we're going to test this. This is probably the strongest point of the episode because there is a standoff at the bridge. Because obviously, since Damien's occupying Dragonstone mm-hmm. and he has his own court, he's just like, you know, if you were to come into my territory, we're going to fight about this. Yeah. He obviously sees Sir Kristen and he's just like, oh, you look familiar. Yeah, I whooped your ass. Yeah. You want to go for round two? And like I say, Matt Smith is just eating the scenery right up. Here. He really is. Yeah. So like he's the smarmiest prick I've ever seen on television. My God, though, it works. It, yeah, it works does. so well. And he's just like, yeah, if you're going to do this, fine. Uh, oh, by the way, I have a dragon here. So what are you going to do? And ironically, though, at this point, Rhaenyra comes flying in like never ending story style <laughs> with her dragon at the other end. Yeah. And they basically say, well, I have a dragon, too. You're not going to be able to do this. So what are we going to do? And Mutual assured destruction. Yeah. And now at this point, she really forces Damien to make a decision. And he kind of plays along with things for now. For now. For now, which is a very interesting take. He's a very calculating individual. Yeah. So like he reads the temp in the room and he's like, yeah, I could really fight everybody here. Probably win. But I don't don't really want to. I'm going to go along with this. Like I want to see how this all plays out. So he gives over the, the egg. It goes back to King's Landing. Mm-hmm. There's a little peace in the world, so to speak. But then we go back to For Creepy Town. Ta- we go back to Creepy Town because Viserys announces, well, I'm going to take a queen. Mm-hmm. He's not taking the 12-year-old, thank God. Nope. But he's going to take Rhaenyra's best friend, Alicet, Mm-hmm. Which is even just more weird. So it's a more weird, less creepy. Yeah. Still weird, though. Still weird as fuck. Like, I'm sorry, just like this whole courtship thing is just skin crawling. Hey, that's that's how that's how it works. I know, but that's like I said, that's the one thing about Game of Thrones that I just it just like I don't know why they have such an aff- affection for doing this. Like it's just it's disturbing. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just I'm putting out no, it is. my opinion. I agree with you. This. But then they end on a strong note because Corliss is mad because, well, what the fuck? Yeah, he's he thought this was pretty much a setup. The houses were gonna be united, they're gonna rule the kingdom. Nope. So Corliss does probably the most rational thing ever. Yeah. He he reaches out to Damien, mm-hmm. who's just sitting in the bottom of Castle, just just hanging out. Yep. And he's like, so what are we talking about? And Corliss is like, okay, uh, the king is nuts. Yep. Um, I'm throwing all my chips in with you. Yep. Uh, there's a situation going on that I could use some help in uh, freeing up because otherwise my kingdom will go bankrupt. <laughs> I'm reading the tea leaves. I don't like what they say. Yeah. So if you can help me take care of this problem, I'm all in with you. You scratch my back. I scratch yours. And we'll take care of this. And that's how the episode ends. You can almost see the smirk on Damon's face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like I said, the easiest comparison is he's, he is the Seth Rollins in this world right now. Yeah. That's he, a, that's very accurate. He is to put it in wrestling terms. He is Seth Rollins, and my God, the setup for this made up for the creepiness of the overall episode mm-hmm. completely. Because I'm just like, I don't understand what the fuck is going on here. I know I'm swearing a lot, folks, and just I apologize if that's uh, bothersome. But that part of the episode just really freaked like I'm it freaked me and disgusted me enough. I'm just, oh, like, yeah. I'm just like, I don't want to see this shit. I'm sorry, this is not my cup of Java right here. But I was happy with seeing the Matt Smith storyline because at least that makes sense. 
And the setup they have going into next week is we're finally going to get our big battle. Yes. There's a brand new villain going to be introduced. I, mm-hmm. I should say, well, I mean, really, is there, you define villain. I'll just say a new character because yeah. literally everybody in the Game of Thrones world is pretty much a POS. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. No, they're they're not exactly the most noble people you've ever met. Yeah. But we're going to see somebody else. So this could be the next big bad. I don't know, but I'm intrigued to see what happens because obviously we're seeing that there's yeah. some problems that if Corliss is now reaching out to Damien to get help and then we're going to see obviously a big battle. There's a dragon coming down, blowing fire all over the place. I'm in for that. So... To wrap it up, Pad, final thoughts on this. thought it was a really good episode. Enjoyed the hell out of it and excited to see where they go from here. I'm in for Damien. I could give two flying Fs about Viserys and his marital issues. I don't even care. This whole storyline is just like we can't reiterate enough. It's creepy as fuck, and I don't care about it. I care about Damien because that is a character that actually is making some moves and is doing the whole Game of Thrones thing to the letter. And you know what? I'm all in on his storyline, and I can't wait to see next week's issue. Or I should say issue, because it kind of feels like a comic. But at the same time, I'm just ready to see some action finally go down in this, and I think we're finally going to get that. Mm-hmm. So that being said, ODPH Society, hit us up on my hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about House of the Dragon so far, and especially Episode 2, The Rogue Prince? What did you like about it? What did you not like about it? And if you're not watching the show... Explain why if you're a fan of Game of Thrones. I mean, if this isn't your whole fandom, I get it. I respect it. Not a problem. But if you're a fan of Game of Thrones and you're not watching this, I'm curious why. So let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Time is going. Yeah. Hey, welcome to the Shane and I show. Or actually... It's not the Shane and I show. It's a promo. It's a promo for the Shane and I show, the show about nothing that makes you think of something. And we are available wherever you listen to podcasts. Spotify, Apple, what else? Good pause. Yeah, but we got like five. We got like four, five seconds three, to finish. Well, we're going to go a little over. One. So, hey. Listen you, to you, the show. Uh, yeah, you messed it up. You fucked it up. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple of things to talk about. Obviously, one of them is to remind you all, the most highly anticipated show of the season is finally coming out this Thursday night, 9 p.m. Check your local listings for when it's dropping in your time zone. After that, every week on Friday at midnight, uh, that is season one for The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power on Amazon Prime. Oh, uh, The reviews have gone, uh, the review embargo has lifted uh, currently on Rotten Tomatoes. And let me refresh the page. It's been a little minute since I've opened the page. Uh, still the same number uh, with 98 critic ratings for season one, currently sitting at an 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I've heard good things about the episode. Super excited for this to come out. Uh, I know Jeffrey Bezos, uh, I think he's former CEO. I don't know if he's still a CEO, whatever, Uh, did an interview and that got brought up because obviously Amazon has put $500 million into this season of uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, Jeffrey Bezos' son is a huge fan of all things Tolkien and heard about this, went to his father, looked him in the eyes and said, quote, don't fuck this up. Uh, so there would appear that there's pressure from the very tippy top in Jeffrey Bezos to not fuck this up. So let's hope it's really good. Yeah, they got a lot riding on this show. So obviously that's going to have huge implications on, you know, a lot of different shows going to follow suit because obviously with being this big of a budget, mm-hmm. they got to deliver. And especially with that fan base, anything short of like perfect is, yeah. is going to be absolutely ripped apart on social media. Switching over to some movie news. Ken, why don't we go back to 1982? 
Uh, okay. Go back to 1982. Why do I say 1982? Uh, because for the first time since 1982, movie theater prices, uh, ticket prices are going to be at those levels. What? Uh, this coming Saturday, September 3rd, will is National Cinema Day, and uh, you will be able to get uh, movie theater tickets at almost every movie theater uh, for just $3. Damn. Yeah, so reading from an article on Fortune.com, uh, go, reads, in quote, uh, does the $3 ticket only cover certain times? Nope. The $3 ticket price will extend to all screenings on September 3rd, so you won't have to worry about catching a matinee or a late night show. Note that you'll have to pay any tax and fees on top of that $3. Can I see an IMAX film for $3? You can. Prices won't fluctuate with format. So if the film is showing at your local Cineplex and that theater is participating in National Cinema Day, then you'll pay just $3. Which theaters will offer the $3 movie tickets? More than 3,000 theaters with over 30,000 screens are expected to participate in the event, including major chains such as AMC and Regal. The best way to find the nearest theater uh, to you is via the National National Cinema Day website, uh, which is national nationalcinemaday.org. Uh, you know what? You go in there and then you scroll down because it tells you the date and the price. And there's a little video. And then it's find movies and find cinemas, and you're able to search by city or zip. Uh, I know here locally, uh, both of our theaters, Regal and AMC, are doing it. Also, the local theater, uh, mom and pop theater, uh, Cinema Saver, which is normally five dollars mm-hmm. is doing it as well their tickets will be a dollar fifty uh so the article goes on to say uh are there any uh, major film releases this weekend while it's a holiday weekend there aren't any tentpole releases on september 2nd new films include gg and nate burial and honk for jesus save your soul that said there are still plenty of summer blockbusters in theaters including top gun maverick thor love and thunder Minions, The Rise of Guru, and several films are being reissued, including Jaws and Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, so definitely something to check out. It's a fantastic deal that is, I think, a really good idea from uh, the folks in charge of this. It's an awesome It's an awesome move. It's, a, it's an absolutely fantastic move, especially for an industry that really needs a, a shot in the arm, in my opinion. I think that fans, fans are starting to go back to the movies. Obviously, when it comes out on streaming so fast, mm-hmm. it, it does hurt. But, I mean, let's face it. I think it's pretty safe to say that we here at the ODPH and I think 607 Podcast in general are always about going out and supporting and yes. going out and getting that experience because yes. you can sit home and watch something and that's cool and all, but there's nothing like going out with your significant other, mm-hmm. going out with your friends, going out in a big group, watching a film, then going in and talking about it right after, having that experience, having that social interaction. I think any time that you get that, it's something that we don't hear so much about these days because, I mean, everybody's so digitally locked in whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I can watch it at home. I don't need to leave my, my apartment. I don't need to leave my house. It's like this is a perfect way to go out. There's no excuse. I mean, you can sit there and still try selling that, but for $3 a ticket. Right. And I'm sorry. There's good stuff at the movies, so there's, there's not excuse. Well, there's nothing great to watch. There's a lot to go out there and see, so I fully recommend doing this. I'm going to try getting down there to the theater myself. 
I got kind of a crazy schedule this weekend, but I definitely want to try doing it and taking advantage of that. It's a brilliant move, so go out and support the movie theaters because I could definitely use it right now. Absolutely. Uh, switching over to some Star Trek news. Star Trek? Star Trek. Uh, reading from an article over at Reuters, uh, actress Nichelle Nichols, uh, Nichols is having her ashes sent into space. Really? Yeah, so the article reads, quote, The late act- actress Nichelle Nichols, best known as Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek, will become the latest member of the 1960s television series to be memorialized by having some of her earthly remains flown into space. Nichols, who, uh, who died on uh, July 30th at age 89, is credited with helping shatter racial stereotypes and redefining Hollywood roles for, for, uh, for black actors at the height of the U.S. civil rights movement as one of the first black women to portray an empowered character on national television. Or, or excuse me, network television. Uh, now she has been added to the posthumous passenger manifest of a real-life rocket ship due to carry a collection of vials containing cremated ashes and DNA samples from dozens of departed space enthusiasts on a final and eternal voyage around the sun, according to organizers of the tribute. A date for the launch has not yet been set. Other Star Trek cast members and executives who have had remains launched into space include James Duhan, who played the show's chief engineer Scotty in Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry. Uh, so that's definitely awesome. Also joining her is uh, going to be the remains of Roddenberry's wife, uh, M- Majel Barrett Roddenberry, uh, who played nurse Christine Chapel on the series, and the renowned sci-fi visualist, uh, visual effects artist Douglas Trumbull, whose work on was featured in such films as 2001 A Space Odyssey and Star Trek The Motion Picture. Uh, so that's definitely awesome to see, and obviously I would say well-deserved as somebody being so seminally known with all things uh, space. Well-deserved. So cool to see happen, man. That's I fully applaud that. Yeah. Uh, and sticking with some movie news, uh, folks, the MonsterVerse is not done yet, as some might have thought, because, hey, the whole rights thing with Tohei and, uh, you know, uh, Warner Brothers is kind of a little confusing. Uh, this is still happening. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla and King Kong are teaming up for their next movie. Oh, geez. Okay. Reading from an article on IGN.com, it says, quote, Godzilla and King Kong will return for another epic battle on the big screen. Warner Brothers picture and legendary pictures announced. After the two titans clashed in 2021's Godzilla vs. Kong, the studio says the two giant monsters will fight a colossal undiscovered uh, will fight a colossal undiscovered threat hidden within our world, challenging their very existence and our own. The movie will also explore how the mysterious titans came to be by diving into their ancient histories and uncovering the legendary battle that created them and forever linked them to humans. Uh, Adam Wingard will return to direct the MonsterVerse film, as well as cast members Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, and Kaylee Hoddle. Uh, They will be joined by newcomers Dan Stevens, Fala Chen, Alex Ferns, and Rachel House. Screenwriters Terry Rossio, Jeremy Slater, and Simon Bear are also a part of the project. Is It is being shot on location in Queensland, Australia. Uh, no word on a release date. It's kind of looks like it's slated right now for March 15th, 2024. But as always, card subject to change. Interesting. Very. I'm, I'm interested with that. You know, I'm all for it. You know, I've enjoyed the last couple of movies. Give me a little bit more of a plot. You know, I don't need the greatest plot since Citizen Kane. But, like, give me a little something, you know, kind of te- tied me over in between the action sequences. Yeah, they got to do something a little different. Like, it's it, it's been fun just seeing the action, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's just, it's missing something. Yeah. You know, the easiest way to put it. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to check it out when it comes. Oh, absolutely. 
Uh, and then switching over to some uh, Netflix news, uh, we got a uh, director announcement for the upcoming uh, Bioshock movie. Oh, so this re, of course, based on the very popular video game franchise. So reading from an article on Deadline.com, it says, "quote The long-awaited feature film adaptation of the renowned video game fan franchise Bioshock looks to be gaining momentum in a big way." Sources tell Deadline that Netflix has tapped Hunger Games director Francis Lawrence to helm the pick with Michael Green adapting the script. The directing and writing assignment has been among the uh, more sought-after jobs in the industry after Netflix said in February it was partnering with video game holding company Take-Two Interactive and its game publisher subsidiary 2K to produce a Bioshock film. Since then, the studio and its partners have been aiming high on who would help guide this project, given the scope of the property, looking at A-list directors and writers for the job, close quote. So obviously, uh, Francis Lawrence, very well known for his work on The Hunger Games. Uh, And I think, you know, that's a good that's a good uh, pick for this movie. And it should be very good. Yeah. You know, I, I like I'm on the fence. I think it's a great pick for the movie. So don't don't get me wrong about that. I just don't know if I'm that excited for it. Sure. Like, to be honest with you, like, you know, like, if that's your fandom, like, cool. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, it's going to be terrible. I, I guess for me, I'm just kind of like, mm, well, let's, let's see something first. Because mm-hmm. obviously anytime you kind of dabble in that, you know, adaptation yeah. to film, it just, it, yeah. it, it gets messy. So. Yeah. Could be, but who knows? We'll, we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, and then sticking with some Netflix news, it was announced uh, last week by the folks over at Netflix that Umbrella Academy is coming back for season four. Ooh. And it will also be the final season of Umbrella Academy. Reading from an article on Hollywood, the HollywoodReporter.com says, quote, The Umbrella Academy will end with a fourth and final season on Netflix. The streamer has renewed the superhero series starring Elliot Page for a concluding round. Uh, quote, I'm so excited that the incredibly loyal fans of the Umbrella Academy will be able to experience the fitting end to the Hargreaves siblings journey we began five years ago, said showrunner Steve Blackman. But before we get to do that conclusion, we've got an amazing story ahead for season four, uh, one that, that will leave that will have fans on the edge of their seats until the final minutes. Close quote. Uh, the show's season four cast set to reprise their roles include Paige, Tom Hopper, David uh, Castaneda, Emmy Rivera Lampin, Robert Sheehan, Aiden Gallagher, Justin H. Min, uh, Ritu Ara, and Colm uh, Fiora. Additional casting news will be announced at a later date. Close quote. So obviously huge news. We are big fans of the Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Last season, absolutely fucking wild. Yeah. Can't wait for season four. Yeah, I'm super excited they're going to do this, especially you're always hearing about, oh, Netflix is canceling a lot. The fact they're going to let them end on their own terms, I think, is great. I'm not sure where they're going to do source material because I, I just don't really know where they're going to go. But like at this point too, they've gone so far away from the books. Mm-hmm. Like in my opinion, like I think that it's a fair game. But the fact that obviously how last season ended, they gotta tie it up some way. Yeah. And in fact, they're going to get one one last season. I think that's great. Like I, I you, like you touched on pad. We're huge fans of the Umbrella Academy here. Bring on more content with that as much as you can, and hashtag Renew Sandman while we're talking Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, they also, uh, sticking with some Netflix and Steve Blackman news uh, specifically, uh, they announced, uh, reading continuing on the Hollywood Reporter article, says Netflix also announced its extended partnership with Blackman and his newly formed Irish Cowboy Productions. Blackman will work on next work on adapting a series version of the hit PlayStation game Horizon Zero Dawn. Really? Along with a sci-fi limited series titled Orbital. Horizon Zero Dawn is described as an epic sci-fi adventure series set a thousand years in the future in a strange and beautiful world full of primitive tribes and high-tech machines all built on the bones of the old ones. Uh, 
uh, the ruins of our present-day United States. The disaster that destroyed our world is long forgotten, but when these formerly uh, peaceful machines mysteriously turn into dangerous hunters of all life, a young outcast named Aloy discovers that she, uh, that the only chance to save her world is to fight and uncover, fight to uncover what happened to ours. Executive producers include Blackman, Michelle Lavretta, Abby Morris, and Azad uh, Quilbash and Carter Swan of PlayStation Productions, Jan Bart uh, Van Beek and Ben uh, McCaw of Gorilla, uh, Roy Lee of Vertigo, uh, and Matthew Ball, close quote. I am super fucking excited for this. Horizon Zero Dawn is one of my favorite games of all time. Top three easily. Uh, the fact that they're doing a game and they got someone as awesome as Blackman to be the showrunner, write and direct. Wonderful casting or, or pick for the, for the show. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, no, I'm actually more excited about this than uh, Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this actually has got my attention. This I'm actually fully all in on. Yeah. So I will definitely co-sign on that. I, it'll just be interesting to see how this is going to come out. Like, yeah. it's, like I say, just anytime you do video games to, like, any other medium, is mm-hmm. like you roll the dice. Yeah. Like, sometimes you get something really good, and then you get, like, uh, Double Dragon. Yeah, that's just true. I'm just going to put it out there. Uh, and then switching over to some Amazon news. Uh, how crazy is the boys? The boys is freaking insane. How crazy? Do you think we could make it any more crazy? Well, they got that spinoff coming, so uh-huh. I mean that's going to be wild. But what if I said they were to add Jeffrey Dean Morgan to the show? Oh, shut the fuck up! They're mm-hmm. not doing that. Yes, they are. Reading from an article on Hollywood. Shut up! They're not doing that. Hollywoodreporter.com. Quote: Negan is joining the boys. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who plays The Walking Dead's most iconic villain, has signed on to the Amazon Prime Video superhero drama's fourth season. The imposing and charismatic actor uh, actor's character in the show is being kept secret for now. But the casting represents a reunion for Morgan and the boys showrunner Eric Kripke. Morgan played patriarch John Winchester on Kripke's Supernatural. Uh, the move marked the latest Supernatural actor to join the show, with star Jensen Eccles having boarded season three as Soldier Boy. Uh, Morgan's credits include stints on Grey's Anatomy and The Good Wife and such as uh, and such as like Watchmen and Rampage, mm-hmm. but he's best known for playing Negan on AMC's zombie drama. Having been introduced in the show's sixth season and then survived to its current 11th and final season, he's also reprising his role in the upcoming Walking Dead spinoff series, Dead City, along with Lauren Cohan. Close quote. Holy shit, this show got even more insane, and I love it. I, I, I'm just even trying to think who you could play. And obviously... I, I just have this this theory though though obviously we know what happens with Soldier Boy at the end of this, this past season mm-hmm. they're gonna re reactivate him and there's gonna be a scene between those two and I'm not done uh, Jared Pilecki no to get involved it, no. J- it just writes itself so I'm putting that karma out in the world I'm sure Tyler from Thirty and Nerdy just marked out wherever he is listening to that statement but I'm gonna put that energy out in the world but that's a hell of a pick absolutely hell absolutely pick. so for my one shots. Actually, talking CW. Okay. There's a show that's returning that, I'll be honest, flew under my radar. Really? Was not expecting. I knew it was coming back. Okay. But I guess with all the news from Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah. That I just completely forgot Stargirl Season 3 is debuting. Oh, okay. So it's debuting Wednesday, August 31st. Nice. Did not... I for some reason I thought it was coming back later, but then again with all the shakeups they're doing, obviously the Flash is on its final run. Yep, Superman and Lois has had its unfortunate drama there. Yeah, I I completely forgot about Star Girl. Yeah, and no, it, it certainly flew under the radar with yeah. everything Warner Brothers Discovery going. Yeah, on. like everything getting canceled left and right. So the fact that we have season three coming out, I'm definitely gonna be talking about that next week. 
in some capacity. Obviously, we've got to take a look at the lineup, but I definitely want to check out and see what's going on. I think it's one of the the best shows they have on CW. I think it's. I think they take a lot of risks. Obviously, involving the Justice Society of America, yeah, yeah. especially with the take two they're doing because they're all teenagers. Which, if you read the comic, which I mean, JSA is making some news for DC as well. Yeah, it's a it's a more seasoned team, shall we say? Yeah. So definitely excited to check that out uh, this week. So definitely, I'll post something about that as well. That explains why all of the uh, CW, you know, DC show Facebook pages I follow all lit up on the same thing at the same time last night. Yeah, I saw it and I didn't look at it. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm like, wait, why was, why was Superman and Lois and the Flash posting about the same thing? Yeah, no, I I agree. It was like I saw it. I was like, wait, what's what's going on? And then I got looked and I was like, kind of dropping the ball. I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's one it's supposed to be one of your better shows, and like the fact that it's flew under our radar. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I kind of dropping the ball. I know. So I'm hoping to get some good ratings out of it, but I think it'd just be word of mouth. Like after it comes out. Because I think when they usually have done it, it's been during the summer, and I think that oh, yeah. that's, it's played better. Because it usually comes out like midsummer, so it leads right into everybody coming back in October. Obviously, with how the schedule is right now, it's kind of a little risky move for me. So I'm hoping good things for the show, but obviously keep your fingers crossed because you know it's Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, and uh, Pat, we can just define that as reasons. reasons. Well, it's also Warner Brothers Discovery, and it's also now Next Star. Yeah, so. <laughs> There's a lot going on. There's there. another parent in the in the uh, in the mix. Yeah. So if you love the show, watch it. Uh, a show that we usually have good things to say about, but man, this week, uh, lead balloon. Yeah, well, but I gotta say, disappointing episode of yeah. Tales of the Walking Dead. We were gonna do a full review of it, but Pad, I think uh, I'll let you take this one. Uh, I dare even say we say we'll give the spoiler countdown. So, uh, in three, two, one. Not good. Yeah, uh, it was a terrible episode. You know, I was excited about this because of the three they've done, you know, the first one being Evie Joe, uh, Evie slash Joe, the second one being Blair slash Gina, this one being titled D, and it was the return of Samantha Morton, a.k.a. Alpha, mm-hmm. and it was Alpha's origin story. I was like, oh, okay, this is something I can sink my teeth into. This yeah. is something that, like, I've got a connection to. I can really build off of stuff with. It felt very disconnected that like it felt like we were coming in in the middle of the story and we were leaving before the story was over. I agree. You know, I felt like there was some better stuff you could have done with this, you know, and, it, and honestly, I was a little disappointed. And I'll be honest with the show in general. I forego, I, you know, I forego watching the House of the Dragon at nine when it drops to watch this just because same time it's, it's, it's on the same time. And also because I don't have a DVR, you know, I have Hulu TV, you know, to watch the main stuff, but I still have my parents spectrum login to watch AMC stuff, you know? So I watch the AMC stuff like walking dead. And then this live, because if I don't, especially with this, it, it's not on iTunes. If you have an iTunes account or you have an Apple device, while you're listening to this episode, go to iTunes, search Tales of the Walking Dead, and try and find it on there. It is not on iTunes for any of the episodes. I have still not seen episode two of this show because it's not on iTunes. And I don't want to jump through the hurdles of, of signing up for AMC Plus just to watch one episode. Sorry, not going to do it. Yeah, it does make sense. You know, I'm honestly considering dropping the show just because I like the first episode. It could have been bad, you know, had some potential, you know, didn't quite reach its zenith, I guess you could say. Didn't see episode two, but this one not good the easiest way to describe this is they took a chance and they just fell flat Mm -hmm. samantha morton coming back as alpha was great and i thought for what she had to work with was okay like it wasn't a great script because as you touched upon we're thrown in the middle of a story 
Yeah. So there's like no reason that we understand that she's on this yacht. Yeah. And is they're surrounded by zombies. So obviously the apocalypse has happened. And yet it's just not a real clear cut build. Like what the hell is going on here? Yeah. I'm showing kind of off my iPhone right now. I've searched Tales of the Walking Dead on iTunes, but there's books, there's songs, yeah, there's albums, albums. and then podcasts. Yeah. There's no show. There's no show. Yeah, no, walking mean, Walking Dead. You can go and get like the next day or a couple days after. The only thing I'm, I'm guessing with that, though, to go back to your point, I think they're just doing it because they're going to put it all out at once. Yeah, maybe because of the show is. I mean, it's an anthology, so we got to remember that it's not supposed to be set in any continuum. It's it's just what it is. But like I say, this episode was so lost because yeah, it was. you you don't understand why Alpha's so angry at the world. Well, she's on this riverboat that we don't quite know how or why or yeah. how the fuck she got here. It's reasons. Yeah, the literal reasons. You know, there's a whole cast of characters that I don't give two flying fucks about and I don't know anything about. Yeah. And then they're surround they're in the middle of a bayou in like Louisiana or someplace, yeah. which I'm like, okay, that's a different place than we've been to before. I'm in for that. You know, and then they're dealing with the walkers. There's some guy who shows up that they've got beef with that I have no fucking clue who he is. Exactly. And then shit hits the fan, which gotta say when the shit hit the fan, I perked up a little bit and I'm like, Oh, okay, I can, I can get into this. And then she just left. Yeah, she just hits the inflatable raft and jumps in the water. Yeah. And it's 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 puzzling. Like it yeah. it literally sat there and was like, "Okay, what are we even doing here?" Like you wasted the opportunity of really doing a great story. Yeah, cuz you know, being on a boat in the in the Walking Dead universe has always been something from the show that like, "Oh, why don't they do that?" Yeah. And they teased doing it in the Telltale game, but they mm-hmm. never got around to it. Right. You know, and then obviously they did it with Fear the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. but like it's not been something that's been like too drawn, too uh, looked at, you know. So they're like, I'm like, oh, they're on a riverboat in the bayou. Okay, that's different than being, you know, in the middle of the ocean someplace. This could be cool. And, and then it was kind of half assed. Yeah, no, they definitely dropped the ball on this one. So there isn't a lot to really go on with because it's basically Alpha's angry, is jealous of somebody. The boat gets raided. Yeah. She jumps into the water. She, the boat gets raided and they act like they know the person, but I'm like, who the fuck is this yeah, person? Yeah, exactly. Like, everybody knows who it is and we're like, who? Like, everybody watching at home. Like, I was talking with some people online about it. They're like, who is this? I'm like, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I have no idea. You know us. You yeah. know we're not like this. Well, who the fuck are you? Yeah. So once they hit land, there's a zombie raid. They cover themselves up. They get discovered by the whispers. Go home. Yeah. Like, literally, that's the episode. So there's nothing really to discuss about it. If you enjoyed it, please let me know what you liked about it because. I am not going to hate on you about it. No. But this was not a good episode in our opinions. Like, no. when Pat and I were talking about doing this for a segment for the show. We're like, I'm going to talk about it because we do have Walking Dead listeners that really like to hear the take. But honestly, like, this was not a good episode. So I know they have two episodes left. Yeah. Hopefully they can rebound. But I, I got to admit, I think the show has, or three episodes left. But three episodes, I, but, yeah. But the show has just really not clicked the, the way I thought it was going to. So. We'll have to write it out and see, though. I mean, it's still not worlds apart, so I can at least say that. Let me end with some happier news, though. Please. It's new comic book day. Hey. So, like we say, there is a very, very, very stacked lineup this week. Mm-hmm. Comicsology Originals is absolutely crushing it right now. And if you listen to the Scott Snyder interview, which, once again, thank you to Scott Snyder for coming on the show. Absolutely. Fantastic interview, and he gave us a lot of great exclusives just such a cool guy to talk to i know we're planning on having him come back on again too and for everybody that's been listening the downloads are flying there and i we're hearing so much great feedback from our fellow content creators like that means the absolute world like 
we were super happy to have the interview and just to hear in the fan reaction too. We're we're super excited about it, and rightfully so because we're all talking about his books on Comicsology Originals. Mm-hmm. Barnstormers number two it comes out, and the book, like I said on in the intro for that episode, is it's breathtaking. Tulalote's artwork on this is freaking fantastic. I could sit there and rave about this all day. The story I'm not going to spoil, okay? But there is two game changer moments that happen in here. One, it's almost like a throwaway moment. But the minute I read it, I went, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I think I know what's going on now. Yeah. And if it's that, it's going to be such a good payoff. Mm-hmm. But then even later, too, there's another moment that happens in there. And I'm like, I'm, not that I wasn't already all, all in, but I think if like you were on the fence after issue one, sure. oh, you're sold. Like You are in for this series. I can't stress enough. You need to go out and go get this uh, in Comixology Originals. And definitely when it comes out in print via Dark Horse, you need to go do that. Uh, and to clarify, too, I believe the We Have Demons trade paperback, the original book that he had with Greg Capullo, is pushed back a week. Because mm. I went to darkhorse.com uh, to go check, and they're listing it for September 7th. So next week, we'll check it out. But if it's at your local comic shops, make sure you go get them. And seriously, go get the print books. Go get the Comicsology stuff. It's fantastic. Like, Scott is putting in some of the best work he's done, and that is saying something with his pedigree. So... I can't recommend them enough, and I will scream from the top of my lungs, go get these books. Yes. Also out on Comixology Originals is The All-Nighter. So Chip Zdarsky, Jason Liu, they're tying up loose ends here. Issue 10, I believe, is going to be the last one of the series. Okay. Supernatural book, and definitely does a lot of creative stuff here. I can't stress enough. They're absolutely crushing it with this book as well, so you definitely want to go pick this up. Pat, this would be something for you. Okay. Uh, The first... Five issues uh, story arc is out on trade paperback via Dark Horse as well. So you definitely want to go check that out. And I'm just going to highly recommend it as well. And then there was a new book that came out on the radar that I was definitely given a flyer to. Blood Oath number one. So this is done by Rob Hart, Alex Segura, and Joe Isma. Okay. So I'm going to give you the premise. Pad, do you like history books? Yes. Prohibition time. Okay. So 1920s. 1920s, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to show you the cover. Okay. Ooh. Nice. Very nice. Vampires. Oh, okay. Okay. So they're definitely doing something crazy here. Now, I'm not going to say the plot because this has a very original idea for this time period. I was very impressed with this first issue. It does a lot to explain, like, the direction of the story. It's not giving away too much, but mm-hmm. you know the main players. Like It's almost like when we talk about wrestling, and Rich from 3FN and 607TWS always talks about this. You should be able to turn out a, sh- a match, and you should know who the face and the heel is immediately. Yes. you. This is what this issue does. So you know what's going on. You know the major players. It does move a little quick, and it is a vampire book at its heart, but it makes sense, Okay, and especially in that time period. So I think it's a very cool book. So I definitely would recommend go checking that out on Comixology Originals right now because I think that that is a definite one to keep an eye on. Also, from Boom Studios, you know I love Boom Studios. You know yes, I, I do. You know I love the Something is Killing the Children franchise. House of Slaughter number eight. Mm-hmm. The story is getting really good. So Scarlet Part Three is out, and it it's such a unique concept too because Edwin Slaughter is not your typical uh, monster hunter. Right. And how he is perceiving this mystery, I find so fascinating. Okay. And I think that James Tynan and Sam Johns 
have definitely got something very, very cool going on with the writing for this book. So I can't stress enough. If you haven't picked this up, you need to go check this out. It's definitely a different feel, a different vibe, but it's one that works. So I can't stress that one enough. And last on my list, the the charge to 100 is in full effect for the Power Rangers universe of Boom Studios. Power Rangers Unlimited number one, or the Death Ranger number one is out. This is a great companion piece to what's going on in the uh, monumental Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 100 that's coming out. Mm-hmm. So they've been doing these unlimited books, and they've been given like a little more backstory to certain characters that are involved here. This definitely clears up a lot for me. And like I say, my fandom is not as detailed as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. True. So this is great for me that's been reading since Ryan Parrott's been on this book. So it helps me, and especially it's great for new readers because you'll understand these characters when you see them. And I think they do a really good job about explaining about the Death Ranger here and the whole mythos behind it. So definitely some cool stuff to go check out at the comic shops this week. And like we always stress, go support your local comic shops too. You know, even if you go through Comixology, which I highly recommend as well, still get down to the LCS and go get something there as well too. And especially if it's one like from the Best Jacket Press, mm-hmm. you need to go do that. Uh, one more thing. I got a recommendation for everybody. Ooh. It is a, not a comic recommendation, it is a TV show recommendation, documentary recommendation. It's both uh, entertainment and sports. Okay. Uh, it is Welcome to Wrexham, which is airing on uh, Wednesday nights uh, on the FX network, also on Hulu, because Hulu's got that deal with uh, FX. Uh, it is with Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, uh from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, the description of this on IMDb reads, docu-series chronicling the purchase and stewardship of Wrexham AFC, one of the football, one of football's old professional football's oldest clubs, by two Hollywood actors, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. Uh On uh, Rotten Tomatoes, it reads, "In Welcome to Wrexham, Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds learn to run the third oldest professional football club in the world." In 2020, Rob and Ryan teamed up to purchase the fifth-tier Red Dragons in the, the hope of turning Wrexham AFC into an underdog story the whole world can root for. This show is the first two episodes are out on Hulu. Uh, the next two episodes uh, air tonight as we record are fucking amazing. Okay. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has got an, a critic score of 89% and an audience score of 97%. Holy shit. So the first two episodes, uh, the description, uh, first episode is Dream. It says Hollywood stars Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney attempt a takeover of the world's third oldest professional football, a.k.a. soccer club, located in Wrexham, a working class town in northern Wales in the United Kingdom. Second episode is titled Reality. Wrexham Football Club attempts to qualify for the playoffs as their new owners try to very quickly learn the ins and outs of a game and an industry they know nothing about. Uh, You've got the two episodes tonight, which are both titled Rebuilding and Home Opener. This documentary series, I would honestly say, is on the levels of The Last Dance. Oh, where, that's bold. Where, that's bold. Where it's it's gripping. It's you know you got the whole story of them wanting to buy the club. They finally and and it, because the town had been screwed over for so many years. Because like I said, it's the third oldest soccer club, football club in the world, mm-hmm. and it's got it, in the stadium they uh, they play in has been operating since like eighteen oh five. Damn, you know it, it's the oldest. It's the oldest uh, stadium still in use today in the world. 
you know, so they, they go from, Hey, let's do this. You know why, you know, and it gets brought up what, you know, why people always ask why Wrexham, you know, and Rob McElhenney, you know, and says, Hey, you know what Wrexham, you know, it's something I wanted to do. And Wrexham reminded me a lot of Philly, you know, it's people down on their luck. They've been beaten down a lot, but they always come back. They always fight, you know, and he, he realized, you know what? I, I have TV money, but I don't have a necessarily a, enough TV money. If this really starts taking off and we start moving up in the tiers of the English soccer system. You know, so I figured, hey, why don't I reach out to Ryan Reynolds and see if he's willing to do this? And they jump into it together. It's so goddamn good. Just, you know, honestly, I know very little about soccer. I know some of the finer, you know, broader details, I guess you could say. But some of the more nuanced stuff, no fucking clue. I had I had no idea there were there were five levels to the English soccer league, you know, and just seeing everything from this. I cannot recommend this enough. If you're a sports fan, if you're a Ryan Reynolds fan, if you're and it's always sunny in Philadelphia fan, this documentary series is fucking amazing. Highly recommend it. Like I said, first two episodes are available on Hulu. Uh, the next two episodes air on one. So the two uh, episodes premiere on Wednesday night on FX from 10 to 1030 and then 1030 to 11 cannot recommend it enough it is phenomenal definitely gotta check that out sounds dope man I, it's the first time i've heard of this so definitely want to check this out so that being said the music you heard in this edition of the odph is that a shout at the robots they were down at porch fest doing some things yeah uh, they were a little solo shot i know floodlands was second suitor was tom jolu was tearing it up down there pat if i want to find out about all these great musicians where do i go odphpodcast.com right on you swing on over to the music section go check out everybody there Seriously, a lot of great musicians putting in a lot of great work, so we can't stress that enough. That's why they're on the page. We fully endorse them. Also, while you're at the website, you can check out the cool kids, a.k.a. the patrons of the show. So definitely shout out to Joey from So Wizard, John from The Pint, the pod, uh, Pop Culture Podcast. i got to remember because I'm so used to saying uh, Pint of Con- Comics. Uh, Stu from SW Productions and Rich from 3FN. They're our proud patrons, and definitely you want to join them, and I hope you do. One tier, two dollars is making it happen. I got a couple things planned out. Something came across the wire. I haven't got a chance to post yet, but it's coming. So definitely want to get the feedback from everybody there and can say thank you, thank you, thank you enough for everybody's support. Also, while your website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs are up. So I got comic reviews up there if you want. I got a brand new blogs count anywhere. I got it out last night, Pad. Oh, I yeah? actually pulled it off. Nice. Wasn't sure I was going to be able to. And we have some new stuff up from Dre Driven. So if you want the week Dre Minute... That's the place to go. And plus, there is rumor of your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, doing some kind of weird uh, workout montage video link or something. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to definitely critique that. I got to get him a jersey in the mail. Yes, we do. Uh, Fly, (laughs) Eagles, fly, baby. Fly, (laughs) Eagles, fly. Uh, If you know, you know. So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but also, while you're on the website, check out the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast. They're our friends. They come over a lot to swing on the ODPH, and especially if you're a subscriber, which I hope you are, you got a brand new 607 TWS right in your subscription box because that's how we do. So Rich came over because, obviously, he was here in attendance for the Scott Snyder interview, which I can't recommend enough. Go listen to. Seriously. It's one of the best ones you're going to hear ever. Yeah, are we uh, talking a little trash about that? Yeah, because, you know, it's that damn good. And Scott was phenomenal, so can't plug that one out enough. But, like I said, in the classified section, you can find friends of the show. You can find organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. You can find voter registration information. Can't stress that enough. Pod groups that we're in. Fantastic people. Like the multiverse of badness. So definitely want to shout out Mike and Zach. I'm on the show. Nice. So uh, coming up, I, I unfortunately made them suffer through Scroll Kill Crew. The second volume, which I didn't even know existed. That sounds awful. 
Oh, my God. I've seen some awful shit in my time. Oh, I, I did not read this until uh, Mike brought it up because uh, I read the first volume. Yeah. First volume is weird as hell. Yeah. I might do that for a Patreon if people oh really want to see me suffer. I'll do the first one. I'm not going to do the second. second one's too freaking whacked out. But those guys were absolutely awesome to work with, so definitely want to plug them. You should go follow them, too. But you can find out their links because it's right there on the Apollo's group page. That's how we do. The T Public Store. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Oh, 831,000. So like we say, we can't make it any easier to follow the show. So, and that's all we ask. If you are loving the content, and I hope you do, hit the follow and it'll come right to your favorite podcast uh, player each and every week. Can't make it that more simple. If it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only, Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. I'm thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.